When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Panther Point of View, bringing you an inside look to UNI athletics, taking you closer to the action with UNI coaches, student athletics, and Panther insiders. Hello and welcome to the ever-loyal Panther Nation. This is the Panther Point of View podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before we get started today, make sure you subscribe or follow, depending on where you are listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you leave that five-star rate and review. That gets not only this podcast a little bit more exposure, but you and I athletes as well. And one of those athletes, 133-pound wrestler Kyle Biscaglia. Kyle, how you doing today, man? Doing good. It's a little warmer here in Cedar Falls, so that's always good too. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the weather has not been fun. Wrestling season's fun. Weather during wrestling season, not so fun. But uh, let's start talking about your your season at hand a little bit here. You're 11 and 6 so far with three wins in a row, ranked uh, around that 30 spot from a few different outlets. Um, how are you feeling about your, your performance so far this season? I felt pretty good. I've felt, especially in my last couple competitions, I have gotten a little more momentum going. Um, I felt like I had a little bit of a slower start start. At the beginning of the season, uh, a couple losses, but I think that's what the beginning of the season is for, is to get those bumps out of the way. Um, and, you know, I always tell myself the only matches that really matter are the conference ones and the national ones. So you could lose every match before that, and if you win them all after that, you're a national champ. Um, and so I'm glad I got a little bit of momentum going now. I felt like I'm doing a lot of good things in the room, and I'm hoping to just keep building on that as the season progresses. And with that momentum, you've got three wins in a row. Uh, anything in particular changed for you over these last few matches? Are you feeling more confident? What, what's going on? It's been real nice. You know, these matches have come kind of during winter break. And so we're not as much focused on classes. We can kind of focus a little bit more on wrestling, which for me takes quite a bit of a load off. 
um, mm. classes. And so I can really focus on wrestling. We're having two practices a day sometimes where we can just really focus on technique, diving into the wrestling technique and really just studying and honing our craft. And so I felt like personally, that's the biggest jump. And when I'm able to make the biggest jump is when I'm just solely focused on wrestling, which is exactly what this winter break uh, what we've done at UNI is just focus on technique and everybody's individual technique. And I think it's shown through in my wrestling. And I think a lot of other guys on the team too, just the things we've been doing in the room and they're directly translating to what we're doing on the mat. One other thing that, that coach Schwab mentioned, we were on our sort of media call every single uh, Monday that, that media does with UNI coaches. And so he mentioned that, um, you're specifically working on your offense, specifically angles. Uh, and you added that really well this last weekend. He said that was as good as you've wrestled. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, a couple of my first matches, uh, particularly the dual matches this season, I kind of struggled a little bit on my feet converting, you know, getting takedowns. Um, I've always been pretty good in the mat game, top and bottom. Um, and so I felt like an area where I could really make improvement in the coaches thought so as well as getting those takedowns in neutral because um, one that gives you two points for a takedown and two that's also giving me more time on top where I can get turns and hopefully pins um, and so just if I'm looking at my dual matches from the beginning of the season then my duels that we just had um, a couple days ago I felt like you know what we've really been focused on this break is moving my feet getting to different setups on the angles um, and just really moving the guy instead of being so patient and I think that's that's exactly what I've been able to do now. And I think it's because I've had a lot more time just to focus solely on that during this break. And yeah, I've, I've, I've felt the difference in the practice room. And so it's nice to now finally see the difference in matches. The other thing he talked quite a bit about was if you get to legs, then it's like done deal. Uh, mm-hmm. is, that yeah. a, is that a, is that a strategy for you when it comes to wrestling? Is that sort of your MO? I, I like to get in on a leg. If I can get in on a leg, I feel like I have a pretty high, um, finishing percentage. And so the struggle has for me has just always been, how can I find different ways to get in on the shots I like and get in on the shots I like deep? Um, you know, I don't just want to be touching it with my fingertips. I want to make sure I'm shoulder deep on those shots. And so that's, that's really what the focus has been is giving me as many opportunities to finish as I can. Um, you know, it's nice if I have a hundred percent finish rate, um, and I get in on one shot, but I mean, my fun finish rate isn't a hundred percent, it's 80%. And so if I only give myself one opportunity, I might get it. I'll hopefully get it. But if I give myself two, three, four opportunities in a period, um, I mean, that just skyrockets the chance that I'll get one of them. Mm. And, and so we've talked about the the shift in momentum for you. And you and I wrestling got their first uh, dual win recently. That was recently, right? Yeah, that um, just before Christmas. Okay. And who was that against? Forgive me. Hofstra. Hofstra. Okay. And so... You and I is looking for a little bit of a shift in momentum in duels as well. One in five right now, but the level of competition is insane. That's not your average one in five dual meet record for for wrestling programs nationwide. And so how does the team make that shift and really get team-wide momentum, especially in in the dual settings, as as the conference season progresses? Well... First, we've wrestled some really good teams this year. And so I I think in the Big 12 Conference, I think we're 0-2. We've wrestled uh, Missouri and then just SDSU. And the other teams we wrestled are really phenomenal teams. And so I'm excited moving forward that we're kind of moving into the portion of our season where it is primarily Big 12 opponents. Um, 
in the schools that we've historically beaten too. And so I'm excited for us to kind of test the waters against these schools that we're going to see later, later in the year. And I think, I think a big portion of it is our team's just our confidence in general, when we're going out and stepping on the mat, believing in every single weight, you know, we have 10 weights that each of those guys can not only win and get us three point three team points, but um, get a major, a tech fall or a pin to get some bonus points. And so I'm excited looking forward, you know, at our schedule, the competition we have, um, our guys we're going to see during the dual season, but then also at the conference tournament and maybe even the national tournament. And so I think, I think I'm just excited moving forward to wrestle those guys. And you know, like you mentioned, incredible competition that you guys have wrestled against Virginia Tech, Penn State, Missouri. So uh, this is definitely not to say that you and I is not a top tier program. It's just, yeah, you guys have been in a bloodbath so far this season. Um, and, and it's not to say that there haven't been a lot of high points either. There's been some really good wrestling so far. No. Yeah. We've, I mean, the nice part about wrestling those top schools is, you know, we wrestle them and we still have guys who are winning. So we're, we're proving to ourselves. And that's a part of that confidence is we have the ability to go in and win some matches against these top tier teams. Or, you know, you look at some of those duels we lost, it looks like, you know, on the dual score, it was a pretty wide margin. But if you look at the individual match scores, you know, I think against Virginia Tech, um, I think we lost two o- overtime matches. Um, I was one of those matches, and I think we lost two matches by uh, one or two points as well. And so, I mean, if we we lost all those, if we flip all those into our favor, you know, suddenly that duel becomes, and we had a couple guys out of the lineup as well, that duel becomes a duel we can win, not easily, but I mean, well within the realm of possibilities. Right. And with that record, you guys did just fall out of the top 25. Um, do you think that coach Schwab and, and I mean, I don't know, maybe he has mentioned this to you. You guys are sort of underdogs now you might, you know, track record and, uh, what you and I wrestling is you guys aren't underdogs. You know, this is one of the top programs in the country, but with the current, you know, rankings, as much as people like to think they know how good wrestling teams are, do you guys, do you think you're going to embrace that, that underdog mentality? Has, has, has coach Schwab talked about that at all? Um, Coach really hasn't said anything about that. I, I honestly didn't even know we had dropped out of those rankings. And I think for me personally, um, I always typically feel a little better when I'm in those scenarios, just because I feel like it takes kind of that external pressure off to perform. I still have the internal pressure, um, but that weight of, Oh, you're, you know, right at the cusp of being ranked in the top 25. You guys need to go win this duel because it's an unranked opponent. Um, I feel like that pressure is now kind of off. And so if anything, I think that that's a pressure that's kind of lifted off of myself um, and the other wrestlers and the coaches as well, where now we can just solely go out and focus on winning those matches, which I think is what it should be every time anyway. Right. And and speaking of some of those opponents that you guys can really get some momentum back facing off with University of Northern Colorado this coming Friday. That's in Greeley, Colorado. If you want to watch, you can tune in on flowwrestling.com. And so we're talking about pressure. And dude, when I saw that you had three majors and you're going to med school, I felt anxiety myself. (laughs) And so I can't imagine uh, the amount of workload that you have on you. Like I said, the three majors. Tell me what they are, first of all. Tell me what all three are. I I just kind of got them all down. So I'm going to graduate with a B.A. in biology, or no, B.S. in biology. 
um, a BA in biochemistry, and then a BA in the study of religion. I am shook. Okay. Uh, so, so why <laughs> did you just add religion or have you had that for a while? I had a religion minor and, um, with wrestling, we're here for five years. And after I got accepted into med- medical school, I deferred my enrollment. So that way I can stay my fifth year here to finish my academics and my wrestling career. And so I decided I need something to fill that time with. And so I just upgraded my study of religion minor to a study of religion major. Okay. Any particular reason why you had that minor in the first place? Just something that interests you or? It's it's something that's always interested me. And I felt like as a future physician, it's something that's going to allow me to connect with patients. I think mm. um, for a lot of people, um, especially in America, religion, no matter what religion that is, is tied to health um, for a lot of people, whether that's in a hospital setting or something. And so I felt like understanding those religions and the variety of religions could just help me connect to people. Um, And I think as a physician, it's my job to both treat them medically, but also I want to go kind of above and beyond that um, and be able to connect with them as a person. And I feel like that's going to really help me do that. That's cool, man. Good for you. That's that's pretty smart. That's not something that I've definitely thought about at all when it comes to uh, the the medical school and, and getting into being a physician. And so you talked about getting into Carver College of Medicine. Yeah. Um, I take it you just you do you want to be a family physician? Do you want to what exactly do you want to do? Do you know? I'm I'm not 100 percent certain. I mean, I feel like I get asked that question a ton. And usually I, I tell myself um, there's probably something I've never heard of or never seen, never had the opportunity to see that. I'm sure when I see it, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. And and so really, I, I don't know. I've shadowed a couple of different specialties, but I, I don't know if I found the one. And, and I feel like it's also different when you're watching something and when you're doing something. And so I'm excited for a couple of years down the road when I can kind of start practicing and seeing these things um, really close up and imagine myself doing it for the feeling I'll get then. And I think I'll probably know, but I still have, um, let's see four or five years till I have to make that decision. So there's time. <laughs> Speaking of things that give me anxiety, I yeah, don't want to be in school that long. Good for you. Good for you. That's, <laughs> that's, that's great. It's a good thing we, we have people like you who are willing to do that and to get into the profession. And so have you always wanted to be in medicine? When, so I, I would say yes. When I first came to you and I, I was just a biology major. Um, and my intention was to pursue medicine and that kind of, um, made me add on all these other majors, um, and minors and turning those into majors. But my mom is a nurse practitioner and she's kind of what initially inspired me, just the connection I can see that she makes with patients and how she goes above and beyond caring for them was something I was really drawn to caring people and serving others and, Also, I've kind of always been fascinated when I was in school by science, um, math, kind of those subjects. And to me, I wanted to take something I was passionate about, like serving others and combine it with something I'm interested in, like science. Um, And I guess I've always wanted to push myself to become the best I can. And when I kind of combined all three of those areas, I think medicine was just kind of the obvious answer that stuck out to me. Hmm. And so uh, I, I know you were just asked this question as well when it comes to studying. You know, when when I was in college, I was 100% the dude who studied the night before the test and that was it. I imagine you can't do that with three majors and, and getting in and taking the MCAT and, and all that. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't work too well. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I can probably say I've never tried it, but I can't imagine it would work too well for me. Um, usually during the school year, I, I wake up early and I study before my classes and then I kind of have classes during the day. Sometimes I'll squeeze in a wrestling practice or a lift, um, or I'm studying in between my classes as well. And then I've practiced in the afternoon and I'm studying usually after practice as well. Um, I, I managed to usually find some time for just me because I think that's important too. But um, <laughs> the other thing I thought about too is kind of wrestling is my me time as well. Um, you know, I feel like that's something I can give my brain a little bit of a break. You know, I'm not thinking of um, anatomy or biochemistry during wrestling practice usually. So that's a little bit of a brain break as well. And I'm getting exercise. And so I felt like for me, the balance between all of that, between athletics and academic academics, one of them is really taxing on my brain and, you know, the other is really taxing on my body and kind of finding that balance where I can give one a break maybe while I'm pushing the other and vice versa. And so when it came to studying for the MCAT, is that a completely different level of, of studying? Like, is it different than, than your regular school studying? It was, so I took the MCAT last winter break. Um, we actually, it ended up working out really, really well. We had two months off from school. Um, and so I told myself during this two months, I'm just going to study for the MCAT. And so we took finals in the fall, whatever date that was in the very next day. Um, I had my MCAT books. I had websites I would look at videos. And the nice thing about it, um, is that it's supposed to be primarily review. Um, so it's kind of a test encompassing all of the areas, um, anatomy, general chemistry, organic chemistry, biochemistry, immunology, a lot of these science physics that you're supposed to have taken by this point. So it's a lot more review rather than teaching yourself the content. Um, and I felt like you and I had really prepared me well. Um, I emailed some of my professors after and I was like, Hey, your course, I didn't might not have appreciated at the time, but it really set me up well. And I could tell when I was reviewing this material, I knew it really well. And so during that two month period, um, it was kind of like what we're doing now where we had two a day practices. And so I'd wake up early, study, have practice, study in between practice, um, have my second practice, and then I'd study until night. And during that two months, there wasn't a lot of me time because I knew if I want to do well on this test, I'm going to need to um, be pretty diligent and hit the books pretty hard. So that way I don't end up having to take it again in the future. And I think, I think I took the test the Saturday before classes started. Um, classes started on a Monday. And so I had that Sunday off. Um, that was kind of, that was my winter break was that Sunday in between, but I ended up getting the score I wanted, uh, the score I needed. Obviously I got accepted into the Carver College of Medicine. And so, Looking back, I'm kind of like, wow, I, that was a little bit, a little bit crazy. Um, but when I was doing it, you know, it was just something I knew I had to do. And so I buckled down and took it one day at a time. I'm sure you're glad that's over. I, looking back, yeah, but I'm pretty sure there's, <laughs> there's going to be some more times ahead where I have to do some similar studying to that. Right. And so with the type of success you've had in the classroom and, and on the mat for that matter, uh, another thing that Coach Schwab said was you're a guy who uh, raises the standard and that you do everything well. Um, would you say that's that's a focus of your life? Is is that a, a discipline that, that you want to, I don't know, if be known by, but at least live by? If I could be known by that, I think 
I think that would be great. We have a, <laughs> a quote outside of our locker room. It says, how you do anything is how you do everything. And that's something I really strive for in my life is, you know, whether it's um, academics, wrestling, you know, relationships, I'm always going to try to give it my best. I never um, want to just put half of myself into something. If I'm going to do it, if it's something that I think is worth doing, I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities. And so, um, yeah, that's that's something I try to do. It's something I'd, I'd like to be known for. <laughs> Okay. Sounds good. So, uh, and when coach Schwab says that about you, that's, that's no little thing. Cause coach Schwab is, is very honest and, and, uh, a guy that I definitely, I, I definitely believe ev- basically everything that comes out of that dude's mouth. He is, he is great <laughs> for, for the UNI program and, and for the school. And, and speaking of which I, I've interviewed a few different wrestlers, Drew Foster, Parker Kakaizen for those are still around the program. And I feel like every time I speak with a wrestler, I have to ask about Coach Schwab. Um, it, it really feels like the way he coaches and leads really permeates throughout the mindset of the team. And there's a real culture around you and I wrestling because of him. Would you agree with that? I would agree 100%. And one of the things I really like about Coach Schwab is that, and and the other coaches as well, is that they're always teaching life lessons. You know, we go into the practices and we're learning techniques that are directly applicable to wrestling. And, you know, outside of wrestling, there might not be much use for them, but we're also learning life lessons along the way, whether it's kind of hidden lessons like hard work um, during a practice or whether we're having a pre or post practice talk where they're, I mean, basically handing us the lessons on a silver platter. (laughs) And that's one thing I think is really important. And that's really special about you and I is that all the coaches care about you outside of wrestling. You know, I'm sure when I'm five, 10 years down the road, I'll still be talking to Doug, um, you know, all the time, just about life, life as a man, when I have a family and I know that he'll be there to support me and answer questions and, um, the lessons he's teaching me now. So I think, I think the lessons that they teach us and the culture they've created goes beyond just the wrestling mat. Um, I think it goes beyond West gym. I think it really just goes, into our whole lives now as, um, young men, you know, some of us are 18 year old freshman college students and we have some, um, fifth, six year guys on our roster. And so that culture is, is really for everyone too. And when we talk about how he coaches, uh, it, the thing that seems to be a consistent piece is like what you just said about being a man and, and, uh, continuing to, to live life at a high level or, uh, at a, somewhere that's, excuse me, at a respectable life or, or a life well lived is probably how I would, how I would phrase that. Um, and would you describe his way of coaching as intense or is there any other word that you would put to it? <laughs> Intense is probably a good word. Okay. <laughs> um, intense, maybe passionate. I can, I can always tell. And I think that's where that intensity comes from is from the passion he has, um, one for the sport and two for all 30, whatever guys there are on the team. You know, he cares for each of us. And so I think, I think that's where that intensity really comes from is the passion he has for us in the sport and wanting to see us really do our best. And so. One thing that he said, another thing that he said, I suppose, uh, during that that presser, that media conference, uh, was that your best wrestling is is coming this season. And the other thing he added was, I don't know that I've had a more disciplined guy come here. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on Coach Schwab sharing that about you? I, that's definitely a compliment I'll take. Um, <laughs> and 
and it is tough sometimes to stay really disciplined, but I think it's also really important. I think consistency is something that in life and also on the wrestling mat is something that's really important. If you want to have success, you know, it's, it's easy to um, not be consistent when you're training and then expect or want something to go really well when you're performing. But I think if you really want to do well when you're performing, that consistency is what's going to get you there. And that consistency is from discipline, whether it's um, during practices, whether it's your diet, whether it's um, sleeping or recovering correctly, um, anything like that. And I know, you know, my, my goal at the end of the day, I want to be a national champion. And I, I look around in the room and, you know, we have a, we have a couple guys, we have Drew Foster and we have Doug who have done that. And so, um, to have, to have, you know, Doug complimenting me like that. And he's someone who's already attained the goal I'm trying to get to, um, means a lot to me. And so you were asked about Coach Schwab and if you had any Coach Schwab stories last night. And you can check that out on UNI Athletics, uh, the the Twitter page. They went live, Coach Schwab and, and Kyle did. And uh, it was a really good conversation. Awesome prep for me. I, I didn't even have to <laughs> look up the, all that stuff. But um, you mentioned the the one story about him coming to see you when he was recruiting you. And you said you had a different story. Can you tell us that other story? I can, I can tell the other story. I think okay. the last time I was on that one, I had told that story and I wanted to switch it up. Um, so when I was, I, I can't remember if it was my first or second year now, but um, I was making one, 125 pounds, which was a little bit of a weight cut for me. Um, and so I was a little bit sucked down and um, we have a fridge in our locker room and I had a cookie from uh, Mama Jay's. It was a chocolate chip cookie. And if you've ever been there, great chocolate chip cookies. One of the thing about them though, that's unique is that they're served cold. Um, and I'd never really heard of that, but as soon as you eat one, that's cold, you're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> so my cookies in the fridge and I had written, I'd written Bisco. That's what they call me, um, on my cookie and stuck it in the fridge. And so I was wrestling this, I, I think I was wrestling a duel or it might've been the UNI open. Um, but I get done, I weigh in, you know, I get done competing for the day. And so I'm don't have to make weight for a while. And so I'm heading back to the fridge and I'm like, Oh yes, my cookie. And I check the fridge, you know, there's my cookie. And then I go and shower and I get done showering. I get dressed and I head back to the fridge and my cookie's gone. And so I'm like, Oh man, you know, where's my cookie? I'd been looking forward to this for like weeks. Basically. I knew I was (laughs) going to get the cookie the day before, put it in the fridge after I was done competing, I get to eat the cookie. Um, and now the cookie's gone. And so it was kind of a big scandal on the team was, you know, who took Bisco's cookie? Cause I was just this, poor shriveled up 125 pounder <laughs> whose joy was going to be this cookie at the end of the day. Um, and no one, no one said they ate my cookie, even though I know someone had eaten it. Um, the next day, some cookies magically turned up in my locker. So I think whoever had taken it felt bad and had gotten me a couple cookies. I think they got me two or three cookies from Mama Jay's. Um, so that kind of made up for it. But then, um, the reason I was going to tell the story again was, um, that was, I guess it, it would have, or no, I don't know which year it was still. Um, but some of the guys um, had graduated. And so this past year we had those seniors come back. They had missed their national tournament and they came back um, for a banquet this year. And at the banquet, um, we had one of the wrestlers, his name was Peyton Moore. He was a couple years older than me. And during his speech at the banquet, Um, he said that he was the one who took the cookie. So he confessed and cookie gate was officially solved. 
Um, so that was kind of the update to the story was two or three years after the fact, um, cookie gate had been solved and it was Peyton who, uh, took my cookie and I actually, I got him a, another cookie since he liked cookies so much, but <laughs> I was kind of thinking it was coach Schwab for a second there. I was no. like, Oh no, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Co- it wasn't coach Schwab. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Cookie Gate solved here yeah, on the Panther yeah. Point of View podcast. So, Kyle, again, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. And so before we go, folks, make sure that you subscribe or follow, depending on where you are listening to this podcast. Leave that five-star rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really does help us out quite a bit. And lastly, once again, I am your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. And this was the Panther Point of View. This has been the Panther Point of View The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Panther Sports Network.